Welcome to Trash Compactor. I'm Josh, and with me today is Bracey. Hello. Mickey. Hey. And Murray. Oh, hello. Murray, I feel like the cat's out of the bag since your appearance on Secret Origins, but I'm still not going to call you Josh because it'll just be too confusing. So you're still it's Murray. A, it's all good. <laughs> uh, it's all good. But I just want the internet to know that your name is also <laughs> Josh. It's not a secret. <laughs> now now my whole witness protection thing is blown and I'm uh, <laughs> great. I'm just a regular schnook. But uh, today on the Trash Compactor, we are reacting to the first four episodes of the new Disney Plus series, Star Wars Andor. And let's just dive right into it. Uh, Bracey, overall thoughts of the first four episodes of Andor? Uh, it feels like the show that I know I've been waiting for. <laughs> so uh, I'm really, I'm, yeah, I've, I've really enjoyed the first four episodes. Nice, slow burn. Loving it. Murray, overall thoughts. So this is the show that I didn't know how much I wanted it until I was watching it. I think out of everybody in Trash Compactor, I was probably looking forward to it the least amount for no reason other than I'm just like, all right, I'm getting a little burnt out on um, Star Wars stuff. But then it's like a Star Wars like show that is not about like the Skywalkers. It's not about any of that and so it's like so refreshing and we'll get into it but like the fact that it's just like a lived-in world i love but what i'm nervous about is i don't know how i thought things worked in the overall universe of star wars but this like it's just gonna like come out like all the things that i was like was blowing my mind it's gonna be like yeah of course like the empire didn't all live on ships. Of course they had a place that they like lived and worked. And I was like, Oh yeah, I guess that's true. Like, but to me, they're always just living on like ships and like destroyers. Like that's like the whole empire. So like the fact that there's like a bureaucracy, like on like a planet, I was like, Oh fuck, this is crazy. Like little things like there's a million different languages that we see in star Wars, but it never occurred to me that like, there's going to be a character where English is their second language. And like, that's like wild to me i don't know why i like because you never like like they just understand like wookie or whatever or in like solo he like spoke it and it was the dumbest part of the movie but still like but everyone just like kind of like like just understands and then they respond in english and then the other person understands but like the fact that like cassian like it's his second language like that's something i've never thought about in star wars and it's just really dope and so little things like that, I'm like, man, uh, what did I think of Star Wars? Like that I didn't think that like the Empire like had a like a place and that like nobody like everyone just spoke English. Like I never thought about like this like extended universe of well, thoughts. So that's actually something really interesting because I heard a number of people say this, make this observation after the first three episodes was that it really felt like an old school Star Wars novel, like in terms of the world the world building of it and how like it didn't feel like like something with the novels was that depending on the author like you got all these very different vibes from what it could be and like you know the world felt not the same every time that combined with the slower pacing of it and like the focusing on character moments yeah, like you know really leaving cool. room it's like it's like really all about character much more so than any other what I'm starting like, to call filmic Star Wars has really done before. But uh, uh, before we get too uh, deeply into it, uh, Mickey. Yeah, um, I'm just going to say like the not like I want to say it reminds me of the novels. It very 
to, to me specifically reminds me of the comic books. Um, and I think like specifically probably like the X-Wing comic books that to me were like mm. the ones that really got most into detail of like the day-to-day living in the Star Wars universe. Um, and especially like, again, with the Empire thing with the, um, with the, uh, the, there was a type, there was one about the actual like TIE fighters, not the X-Wing pilots. But anyway, to, to my, my thing, but that, that's the lead into my thing, which is I love those as a kid and I love this. Um, I, it's great. Um, it's almost that type of thing where like, I feel like I'm now finally the dog that caught the bone of like everything <laughs> I wanted out of filmic Star Wars. And I'm kind of like, to a point, like, it's like almost like to like, this was amazing. But now I'm almost like, oh, but is this it? This is it. This is as good as it gets. But, <laughs> but you know, like we can get more into it. I'm like, but is that worth it? I don't know if that worth is the right way, but I mean, this is an amazing piece of Star Wars or not of, um, fiction by Tony Gil- you know, Gilroy. Um, I'd say like, I'm very proud of like a story I always tell is the second I saw the Rogue One trailer, I instantly knew that they all died. Like, mm. spoils alert. And it wasn't based on like, oh, whoa, they're, wh- what happened? Because obviously, you know, like if they got the plans, all the spies, it was, no, it's like, this is a specific riffing on like the Man on a Mission movie. Mm-hmm. And then I feel like in a similar face, this is a prequel. I had the same thing when I saw this, I was instantly like, oh, this is when the Shakes the Barley's um irish ira troubles movie set in star wars universe with a little bit of michael clayton as like the side plot too <laughs> and yep that's what it was exactly and <laughs> and moses from the old testament because it's definitely riffing on his story too and i'll get into that later but <laughs> it, it absolutely is i think the thing the creator's doing with the show too is that they're they are telling a an actual like latin american story like yeah type of thing they've introduced the concept they i are. think of within the humans an idea of like you know a race, you know, or, you know, type of, or, of people and telling a very moving story about that. I think it's clearly which, building up, up to that, which is, and like, and it's funny because like with the whole, like, like they're nailing it too. Like, yeah. you know, like well, I was going to say, that's yeah. probably why the ratings are low. Like we did before we started recording, you were mentioning some, it's got like a low rating. It's like, oh yeah, no, that's why because people hate anything that's not just like straight white male stories these days. Yeah, and they just well, like, so, shut it down. So, so I'm not sure. I'm not sure if that's actually true. If that's representative of the larger opinions at large, because like what I've been seeing on my feed is pretty much overwhelmingly positive and kind of echoing okay, the sentiments that that you were saying, Mickey. But yeah, like for me. I have so many thoughts. Like, <laughs> I mean, first of all, the show is just a really fantastic, well-written, well-acted, well-shot, like, well-done show. Yeah. It's- the shooting Preach. and the locations are incredible. Preach! Testify. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, a friend of mine, Matt Barbo, who I'm going to probably refer to a couple times on this podcast, he's a Puerto Rican writer and a huge Star Wars fan. And one of the first things he said to me was like, this is so good. It like transcends star Wars. Yes. Yeah. No, it's a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Because like, it's not just good star Wars. It's just good without the qualifier. It's actually great. Cause it's not like a star Wars thing. They just, Oh, there's lasers in it, but it's not, it's like what Mickey was saying. It's, it's something different. They just, it just takes place in a galaxy far, far away. No, absolutely. And, you know, one of the things that I think is really striking about it is that, like, this is really a show that's about fascism and oppressed peoples, right? Yeah. Yes. That's a huge thing for me. Yeah. 
like in a way that the other Star Wars movies, like like even Rogue One, just really sort of gestured at. Like like this one is really about what the experience of living under fascism, what it looks and feels like, and sort of on like a, on a galactic day to day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not even just not even just the minutia. But like those moments where you get to see like, what does a planet being raped of its resources look like? And yeah. then like actually yeah. seeing that at a like a, at scale for like a way that we could not have ever visualized really before. And you get to really just like see it. Yeah. This is what you're heading towards, man. I have <laughs> I have a question because it, it was kind of related to that. So when it does the flashbacks, right, to Andor as a kid. Now. Yeah. What is your impression? Is this like, are they almost like kind of like an untouched society? And so like when they see like the, the ships and stuff like that, is it like mind blowing to them or is that commonplace to them? They just don't ever interact with like, no, I think it's a Lord of the Flies situations going on. Oh, is that okay? I, I get the sense that these are like kids who were abandoned or something. At oh, some okay. Point. Cause yeah, so that's how I was taking that. Cause I was seeing some metal. I was seeing some threads. So I was like, yeah. all right, so technology is not foreign to them, but like, I didn't know, like, is it like apocalypto when like the Spanish are coming like, and they're just like the first time they're ever seeing stuff that's not of their culture. And there's something going on there. There's like, I think a mystery we're going to find out about, about okay. where these people, because they're all kids too, basically. Yeah, like a Thunderdome. Like and it's something related <laughs> yeah. to like that mining thing. Um, yeah. To me, I almost wonder if they're going to play with a the theme of like the Empire's doing its thing, but the Republic did the same thing before that or something of just this like. Well, they kind of had that thing where they were just fighting themselves, right? Like um, that's what Andor was saying that like, he, I was in the military and then, uh, I don't know the all the characters' names, but um, Sarsgar was like, "Yeah, no, they were, they had you fighting each other." Yeah, Luthen. Yeah, yeah. God, he he's so fucking good. Like the character and the actor. Like I don't think I have a remotely negative thing to say about anything in the show, except for the yeah. fact that that it like might be too good. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, that, that's it. Yeah, it's gonna be the end of Star Wars. Yeah. Well, so. So it's an interesting thing because, Bracey, you posted something in the Discord a few weeks ago that was a clip of a conversation that George Lucas had with the late Robin Williams about how and why fans hated Jar Jar so much. And then, Mickey, I don't know if you linked to something, but um, you kind of responded like, what if Star Wars grew up with us or something? Oh, I didn't even like that effect. I didn't even post that as a relation to Bracey. Like that, that just happened to be... That just happened to work out. <laughs> oh, well, well, so so regardless, those two things really made me start thinking the same thing. It's like, well, is the reason the fan reaction to Jar Jar are so extreme because the movies didn't grow up with the fans? And then you asked or you posed the question like, you know, what is what would Star Wars be like if it actually grew up with the fans? And I think what you would get would be this exact show. Like, this is what Star Wars yeah would look yeah. like if it was well, no, yeah quote unquote and yeah and you know it from the opening title sequence you know it from the first shot being pointed up at the rain and the light and just <laughs> just giving <laughs> you uh uh the pacing before you get into the pacing like yeah. i don't know something about it just was just and then just the the first moment where everything hinges on uh, on it on an encounter that it's just like this is so well set up. Like I, ha I just, I was just watching it again in the, before, before everybody jumped on, 
And I was just like, this is I like I lived for that that moment where he realizes what he has to do and he pulls the gun yeah. and he shoots the guy. Like you uh spoiler alert. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh but <laughs> but like uh that uh that dramatic moment was like this is this is not a kid show uh this uh this is for all those people who grew up uh, uh uh matured in the form of storytelling that they're looking for and wanted to see it reflected in star wars and 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 i was just so happy because i'm like this yeah. this uh, i'm, I'm well, come home i mean when he pulled the home, trigger man. when he pulled the trigger i was like oh shit like i really wasn't expecting that i where i was expecting a thing where he tries to wrestle the gun out of his hand and then that's like i didn't expect like cold-blooded murder like because that's what it like it's i mean that's what it is yeah but then you like but that's but that like it was such a perfect moment because it really like ties you in immediately to like these are the stakes like that's uh, like already like that like these are the stakes like he wasn't supposed to be here and he was and like he wasn't doing anything legitimate and now mm. he's in a situation that like he has to follow through on something or else it's his life is yeah. is done for yeah it's it's a it's like a really shitty crossroads but it's a crossroads all the same like what would you do in that situation if you accidentally killed somebody in a fight that they started and the only other witness around like you could get rid of like what like what do you do do you face the music or do you like run like it's a really interesting like dilemma and then you're just like fuck like this is it's a great like origin for this character well i'm saying about this being a character about this being like a character show that's why, like, right off the bat, we're like, this is why he's going to be a rebel. This is what's going to make him, like, he's the guy who makes that decision. See, but the funny thing is, to me, the first read that I, seeing that scene was like, it was like, this is what made him a rebel. Uh, but honestly, uh, that moment was, uh, uh, re rewatching it, that moment for me was, uh, no, he is already on, it's not that he became a rebel in that moment, uh, his life, he has to make choices that always dance on the margin and this was a moment where he had to be on the margin and he got caught in a bad situation that made him like force his hand like he had no choice in that moment yeah. it was hit there his life was forfeit or he 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 makes that choice he was already he right he, and why didn't when you rewatch it that tension is there when you start to realize the other guy realized before he realized oh shit like that yeah. guy didn't knows that it, they were in an illegitimate place, and uh, 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 what he just did, he can't get out of. And I'm the only one. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the only one who could who could tell yeah. anyone who this guy is. Like, would you start to see those stakes happening? That they let yeah. that play out in the background. Oh, yeah. no, it was nuts. It oh, was beautiful, high tension. It was fucking well, crazy. Well. Something also about that scene and also the sequence at the end of the third episode, something that my friend Matt pointed out that the show nails is what interactions are like with cops. Mm. Like in particular, that sequence when they have like the warrant to arrest Cassian or whatever, how at every single juncture, they are the ones who are creating an escalation. They are Mm. assuming that everyone there is a potential enemy and they are assuming the worst and they are escalating the situation at every opportunity. And 
it's sort of like that mindset, like that kind of that us against them, you know, like this is a war zone, like, you know, we are in a war with these people really reflects a lot of communities experience with the cops Mm -hmm. in this country. And I was like, if you think about it, um, you know, like if you if you go through that that sequence, like they they are like frothing at the mouth, like they they want to fight and they think that like they don't have to respect the rights of any of these 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 people. It was really interesting the perceptions of a lot of these characters. Like the moment at the beginning that we were just talking about with Cassian where he shoots the guy in cold blood, but like he doesn't really have much of a decision. There was some tweet that went viral and I don't really know this girl's politics and I don't want to make too many assumptions, but she was like, let me get this straight. The good guy is the guy who shoots someone and murders (laughs) them in cold blood and the bad guy is the one who's like you know following the rules and like trying to do the right thing and like blah 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 and it's kind of like like authority and rules are not de facto good and like you know it's going to be really interesting because like after seeing these first four episodes it's clear that the show is really interested in you know making a political show about fascism and oppressed people and really trying to render it in as realistic way as possible and I have a feeling that some of the audience is going to have a similar experience to people who watched The Boys on Amazon when they all of a sudden realized that, like, they're the baddies. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Uh, is you know that what I mean? Since, since Star Wars 1, everyone's kind of, like, been lulled into the thing as if we're not rooting for the terrorists the whole time in their in their world, right? Like, in the world of the Empire and everybody. And we saw that a little bit in Obi-Wan with the mole guy that is like helping the empire because he thinks that all these rebels are, are terrorists. And it's like, from a certain viewpoint, they're not wrong. And so it's just like, there was never really, you know, cause you get lulled into thinking that it's a war, right? Like, so everybody that like Luke and Han and Leia kill is like casualties of war, but it's like, no, it's not actually a war. It's just like troops coming out to stop an uprising. So it's not like two equal sides in a battle. And so it's like, it is a little bit uncomfortable when you're faced so clearly like that, like, oh, well, in a lot of ways, I am rooting for the bad guys, but it doesn't feel like that because we have like this, like, you know, 5,000 foot view of like the bird's eye view of the whole situation. We know how it starts. We know how it ends, but it's like, no, we're rooting for the bad guys. Like, and that's, you know, in any sort of occupied land, like the people that are rising against the established people that are occupying them, like they feel that they're the bad people, but it's like, no, if you're, if you're the occupied, you're like, no, you're the good. You are the rebel Alliance. We're trying to take our land back, et cetera, et cetera. So, but I think it's jarring because this is actually showing you that. Yeah. The, the other issue with the tweet too, is that it's not just like, Oh, who's the good guys and bad guys. But like, Someone else, like to a related tweet that was like similar, but really just like, did we forget the word protagonist and antagonist? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, Andor doesn't have to be the good guy; he's just yeah. the protagonist. Right. And he, and and the point is, is like, and, and I think like it'll be interesting to see if they go with this. Is like any rebellion, even against a you know colonial or fascist overthing, the people who are going to be in, involved in the rebellion are going to be those who live on the margins of society. That's that's yeah. who like erupts, and so they're not going right. to be. The good guy, you know, they're not going to be, they're going to be the the criminals. They're going to be the black market. You know what I mean? And that's, that's 
that's almost too intel. Like, okay, let's not make assumptions, I guess, like you said about that person tweeted, but that's like, it's a little bit smarter than that. And like, you can, again, you can think about like, that's what you're saying too, Josh, about this story, like relating it to over what your friend said about the, um, the way the police operate in America. Yes. And it's the way it's also to me, it's like, this is what the British were doing in, mm. in Northern Ireland. You know, it's the same mentality For sure. went to it, that, that we did, that we did in Fallujah, that we did in Iraq. This is what we were doing in Iraq you know, just mm-hmm. coming in. And, and that's honestly why half the problem we have in, in, in the cities now is that that was just imported from our operations in Iraq to these cities. And it's, it's, it's again, it's that mentality of like, and it's, I think the show is also hitting on this too, in terms of like his speech about how he was able to sneak in because they're so full of themselves. Mm-hmm. It's the same as they are. That's like, that's one of the themes that seems of the show is that this, this power, mm-hmm. this authority is, is full of themselves, is narcissistic, is can't conceive of not being wrong as they go into mm-hmm. these, things and just create chaos it's it's yeah like in like that very first sequence again going back to it the show itself is not a it's not afraid to to play like let things play in the subtext which is yeah you know that's a that's a mature move that's a mature storytelling (laughs) move and not one that i feel like star wars has really done well like you know i think i think george <laughs> lucas is tr- like that's really where he's been trying to like let the whole the whole thing play out but really he 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 he, but doesn't, there's, he doesn't really know how to do it that well. because there's always <laughs> been clear-cut good guys and bad guys and even when someone was muddied like han solo they went back and changed it so that he's a clear good guy that would never shoot someone out of cold blood you know and so they always have that and so now we're getting a blurred line and that's why people are like oh you know he's the good guy he's the bad guy it's like or are they both a little bit of you know like the guy that's tracking him down is not the bad guy like any bad trait he has is because he's not listening to his commanding officers so he's got a rebellious streak in him as well is that, and it's not his only bad quality <laughs> no but you get what i'm you get you get what i'm saying like oh. I'm i'm talking i'm talking in the the universe of those people. I'm not saying from me objectively because I'm just like, yeah, shoot the guy in the face. Like, fuck that guy. But I'm saying like, as a, what he is, you know, like as the, the, the cop type person that he is, his bad trait is he's like not listening. Like this, cause his commanding officer knew the deal just by seeing the outcome. Right. He knew everything that happened. And he was like, trust me, like, don't do this. And so now he's so like, like blinded by ju- getting this justice that now he's what killed like six other guys because of it or something along that, those lines. But is that justice he's really seeking? <laughs> but you, you understand that I'm speaking objectively. I'm not doing my opinion on the people like, yeah, yeah, okay. No, I, yeah, I, yeah. I get you. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't think he's going after justice. Like one of the things that I think the show does really well that, that, um, uh, that character embodies, I know he has a name, but I call him Space Richard Spencer. But like how what these law and order folk are really after are these like small gains in like rank and self-importance and trying to further themselves in the Their organizations that they find yeah. themselves. Yeah. And it's like, you know, like what's motivating Space Richard Spencer, I feel like is really power. It's either power over the people who are not supposed to have any and who are acting up and also like the power within his own organization. Like, 
Like, it's funny, and I don't know what this says about me, but I don't find anything morally gray or ambiguous about any of these characters. Like, I don't think that, I don't think that Cassian is a, like, morally gray or ambiguous character. I don't find anything he's done so far in the show to be questionable. And I think Space Richard Spencer, I think, is just like a really bad guy. <laughs> I just, hmm. I mean, I don't know. No, that's definitely interesting because, like, I... I'm definitely living in the gray for both of them because it's just like, obviously I'm going to side with Cassian and, or I would like it's, have no qualms about that. But like, for me, it feels like kind of like, like a noir type vibe when you're like the, the quote unquote sure. good guy is not really that good. Like he's like, but he's not like bad, but like, I mean, he did, there was one accidental killing followed by straight up murder. Like, and so it's just like, all yeah, right, so yeah, but not, those guys, yeah, but, but that guy yeah. created that situation. Like he, he knew what he was doing. He it's, knew the risks, and he knew he fucked up. And he also knew that Cassian had no other choice. But I mean, but he, he did. But it's not a good choice. But that's not a that that's not a choice. But, like if like think about it. Think about it. Like if you if you took that same scenario and and you ran it in like in America in the 1950s or something like that. And you, and you put those guys as cops in a, in an illegal bar with a black guy in an illegal bar. And then those guys decided to, uh, to do it. Like, no. it's not like, uh, 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 when you've put somebody in a position where they're going to die, if they do not kill you, that's not a choice. No, like you put them. Where, I like, understand that, that, but that, I'm just that saying. Defense is like it's not a choice. But he was pointing the gun at him, not pulling the trigger, and then it got to a point where he decided to pull the trigger. Is what I'm saying. I'm not but saying the, it's a choice that he could have gotten away and not like and been safe and stuff like that. But to to kill that man yeah. was like, and that's where I'm finding my gray area with them. I would never say Andor's a bad dude. But I'm not going to compare him to Luke Skywalker. Well, to be fair, though, the context here really does a lot. Like it's everything. I mean, it's everything. Yeah. Cassian went to great lengths to avoid escalating this situation. Yeah. And these guys were huge assholes. And we're just trying to fuck with them. They started it at the bar and then they went after him like they walked into it. Like, I really don't. Well, they're going to rob him. Right. It's extortion. Mm -hmm. To a certain point, it's what he's doing is self-defense. Yeah. They are abusing their authority. No, and I'm not I'm not taking anything away from it. I'm not saying that he's a bad guy or anything like that, but I'm just saying that one guy was killed in literal self-defense, right? The guy was attacking him and they were fighting and the guy hit his head. Two Ooh. guys were killed in self-defense. That's what I'm saying. That's what yeah, I, that's yeah. where like, I'm disagreeing. Was I don't think... But I don't like, think one was when, an accident, the other wasn't. Like that's the only distinction. But they well, were. Well, that's a way. Yeah. They, so like, one was purposeful and one was accidental. That's what I'm. That's like I'm not saying killed that, in self defense is all. Like that's that's where we're. What I'm. What I, for me, if Andor has lack of forgive the cliche, the higher ground, the guy's on his knees with the gun pointed to his face. At a certain point, it does stop becoming self-defense in that altercation. No, because uh, to I me, know that's that the point go, of the subtext. That's exactly the point of the subtext. If you don't understand the subtext of what's going on and the larger, no, in the larger situation, <laughs> then that's... Because in the larger situation, the cop still has the high ground. Tony Gilroy's writing is too good for us to be talking about black, white, and gray. 
that's not what's going on. That's not how he's writing. That's not what we're seeing here is we're not seeing some sort of show about a world and like a moral, like we live in a world where there's people who are in situations to kill who, because of material conditions and because of their psychology are going to be driven into the story we're watching. You know, the story of why Gandor's in that reason. And the reason why there's three people all who could have killed each other is because that's the world they live in. And like, no one's yeah, like, and no for, one's per se the good guy. No one's per se the bad guy. That, that's, um, Andor, okay, Andor yes. isn't going to go to do the good thing because there's like a thing called ultimate good and there's a thing called ultimate evil. This show is about a world that's created by if the you're living of the in, empire. And then there's people with their material conditions and their psychology who will inhibit, bounce off and be particles in this world. And the situations and then the choices they make in those situations aren't based on, again, this is what we're talking about, Star Wars growing up with us. We're not in the light side, yeah. the dark side anymore. We are in the real world, basically, where there isn't really such thing as a gray, white, or black character. There's just, so I'm, you're just I you. I need to clarify, too, that like just because he killed those people, it doesn't change my perspective of him. It adds to his character. That's where my comparison to Moses comes in, because Moses was living in an occupied land, and in defending someone else, he killed Egyptian, uh, an Egyptian guard, hid the body, and he fled. And so that's what happens with Andor. And just like Moses, he gets called upon to like free these people and lead them to a promised future that he himself does never, never gets to see. And which is what we yeah. know from Rogue One happens with Andor. So to me, him making that decision doesn't make him a good guy or a bad guy it makes him a complex character. But what I was trying to get to was a point of like the way other, the other side, the way the cops and the empire are going to see him versus how the rebels are going to see him versus how we see him. It's going to be all different points of view on Absolutely. the same character. And that's where, when people try to get binary about it, like the tweets that we're seeing, yeah, it's not going to line up. It's not going to make any sense. Like Mickey was saying, because it's too, there's too much. And the Bracey was saying too, there's too much nuance and subtext in it, but that's what leads it to a discussion like this, which other star Wars stuff doesn't always lend itself to because it is so like, look at him. He's dressed all in black against an all white background. He's the baddie. And you know, he's dressed in white. He's an innocent farm boy. He like just wants to do the right thing. And like, and so this is a totally different area that we're getting into where it's like you watch blade runner and like you're, you'll be like, Oh, Deckard, like he's an asshole. Like he's kind of like, but he's the protagonist. Like he's like who you're rooting for, but you're like, you wouldn't be like, you know, who's my favorite hero and like the best guy yeah. out there. Like, Absolutely. I, I think the uh, the thing that I'm pushing towards is more just the reading of it. When you're looking through that lens, I feel like as a decision to some extent is that you miss the beautiful thing that's happening. It's like, to me, it's not that he's making a decision in that point. And maybe this is just how I'm reading it, but it's not about him making a decision. He's catching up with what what this situation means like the other guy got there and starts freaking out because he realizes what the situation is and it's not that he's in a position that he has to uh, he has to make a choice he's like oh shit that means this that, that it's like and so we're letting somebody have this like freak out and realization and then the moment he realizes like where is it he's still and that's what i meant like it's still self-defense it's like yeah. not a choice it's like 
oh, like well, that's where we're at. Like, holy shit. And it's yeah, just like a, a different reading. That's the only thing I'm saying is like, yeah, because he it, could, it like, changes that reading. If he not. could have ran away or tried to. I'm not saying he should have. I'm not saying like that there was would have been a way to write that. And but to choose the more complex way of no, this is the guy you love from, you know, Rogue One and he's your hero. But like watch this origin story because it's going to make you uncomfortable. It's going to rock your world because you really? want like a Luke Skywalker. That's going to. Really? I, mean, I thought like from the first, like uh, from his very first scene in rogue one, I like, this is the, this is the guy. So like, to me, I'm like, this is already, this isn't anything like challenging about the, who the character was or anything. Like, hmm. I feel like if you watched rogue one, you'd been like, Okay, like, yeah, this this completely aligns with that. The first thing he has in Rogue One, he shoots his friend in, I don't know if it's in the back, but he knows that his contact, he's freaking out and he's going to slow him down. So he shoots him in cold blood. Mm. And like, yeah. you know, like, which is even like kind of worse than what he does in the first episode <laughs> of the show. Because like in the first episode of the show, to put it lightly, there's already an adversarial relationship between the guards and Cassian. And in Rogue One, like the first time we see him, he unambiguously shoots a guy on his side just because he's slowing him down because he won't calm down. Well, and it's I like, think so. What um, I'm saying, too, is like coming into Andor, having followed Rogue One, we already have a feeling for who this character is and turns out to be like at the end. And that's like the impression that you're you're left with. So that's. um what I'm talking about, like you're preloaded with this character. Like, you know, if, if, if you didn't see rogue one and you just watched this, then you, I could see you being confused, like someone being confused about the choice to have him kill somebody. But we have like, like a, I don't want to say a bias to it, but like we were just like, we're preloaded with him because we saw a whole movie about him already. And his like, his I think I'm biased, and... but I don't think that's the way I'm biased. Yeah, I don't think that's the way I'm biased towards the situation. Like, my thing with that situation and Cassian is, like, these guys are huge assholes and they're squeezing him and they are forcing him to do a thing. They are forcing him into a situation. Like, my read of that scene and the forces at play is, like, this is the world he lives in where these guys think that they run everything and they are fucking with the wrong guy. And he gives them every opportunity to defuse the situation and they back him into a corner. And the guy, the guy that he shoots, like Bracey keeps saying, like he realizes he fucked up. Yeah. But wait. Oh, I don't think there's anything sincere in the guy's apology. Like he could be sincere. He could not be sincere. The point is that it doesn't matter because even if he is sincere in that moment, what happens, you know, a day later when he's not in that desperate situation anymore and his life isn't at stake and he has like all of his buddies around him, like he he may change his mind. And that's what Cassian is realizing. He's like, shit, I can't take this chance. Yeah, like what's like, you know, what's kind of going on there is, again, this idea of like, we are discovering that why Cassian becomes Cassian for Rogue One, I think. And like, if we're talking about Rogue One, what he did in that, you can talk about Saul Guerrero, the idea of like, the yeah. rebellion is like, this is what Rogue One, I haven't seen the cartoons, but I understand this is what they were doing with Saul Guerrero in the cartoons, where they're like, oh, the Star Wars made these rebels be these nice rebels who are the good guys, but like, mm -hmm. they can't. If we're making a real world thing, they can't be Superman, right? They can't be Batman, yeah. I don't kill. They have to be gorillas. They actually have to yeah. be 
rebels. And then to become rebels, the people who become rebels are the people like that guy. He was sincerely begging for his life. And he it wasn't like a guarantee for him. This guy could be thinking, oh, this guy might not be a killer. This guy might not be willing to kill me. I will beg for my life. Get out of it. Maybe I'll tell the story. Maybe I won't. But like, if this guy's not for real, I'm out. I'll just do the whole thing. I'll convince him we can lie together and no one has to know. And he walks away. But it's not like Cassian is a killer. And because we discover in this scene, Cassian is a killer. We discover that is why Cassian will become the rebellion. Because that's what it takes. This, this, this is the story of like, this is what we're taught that like Lenin and, you know, and like on our side, that Che are these bad, evil people. But in the end, that's the only one who's going to change the world like those guys did. Yeah, and I get it. And I, I don't know if I'm just choosing the wrong words. Like, obviously, he's sincerely pleading for his life, but it's not like he's having an actual change of heart. Like, oh, we messed up. He's mm-hmm. just trying to talk himself out of getting shot. Like, that's yeah, what yeah, I meant absolutely. by like sincere. Absolutely. It's not like he has like, oh, I've learned the error of my ways. Oh, yeah. It's no. just, yeah. Because well, yeah, no, even no, his solution, not. he's like, let's go. Oh, we'll walk yeah. in and I'll take, like, you know, yeah. and I'll take, I still like, win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. yeah. And that's, yeah. <laughs> so that, that's why I'm saying, like, I think he, yeah. to some extent, was being sincere because he really went straight to the, like, the absolute truth. But I, what I also love about these, the, the way that the setup is these guys are not the empire. Right, like yeah. these they, guys like, are almost so- like freelance. Like, um, yeah, they're like militia uh, uh, for the empire or something like that. Uh, there's some kind of police of this of corporation, this very specific this corporation. Corpor- yeah, a corporate yeah. that is like on some. Fo- What's at play here is beautifully, like, literally layered because, like, you're actually looking at these forces of power play out and how they mix and how they collide in ways that is just like you're gonna obviously put humans in a position where they have to literally kill somebody to stay alive when they wouldn't have had you not would would you guys think that they um the people like the corporation do they hire people of the planet to police the planet because like back in like say like bible times that's what they would do is they would send rome to occupy say like judea and then they would get jewish people to help the romans police and stuff like that to thus create more division within everybody. It's interesting. The exact dynamics weren't perfectly clear to me, which I kind of appreciate. It's like, you know, kind of figured out on your own. But I think the corporation is representing these two planets or these these two systems, and they have been granted exclusive rights to mine the resources of these systems, sort of like the East India Trading Company or whatever. So, and then they have their own police. Um, uh, one quick thing before I throw it over to Mickey. I do think that they are doing something with the different regional accents that we're hearing. Like, it's not just the Queen's English, like, received <laughs> pronunciation of the Imperials in the original trilogy. It's like, you know, more flavors of English, but also like a little bit of Irish, a little Scottish. It's like not just the upper, upper class of the Empire that I think we sort of saw in the original trilogy. I think that that's something they're playing with. And like you said, Mickey, I also think it's also to kind of evoke the troubles and the conflict with like the IRA and sort of put you in that kind of headspace as well. Yeah, like kind of to the point, like why Bracey says this is like amazing. It is true. Like what I think what they're this is like, you know, we got to like talk about this with like, you know, I hope everyone's listened to our last episode, the Trade Federation um, saying, because this this show is just playing 
I, I, I almost feel like when Giro, I read, read Andy's play and is like, oh, let's actually get into the details of how trade, you know, affects the galaxy and everything. Um, and this kind of bristles. So the idea that like, right, the trade federation started the galactic civil war and, you know, you can get into all the Palpatine is a thing, but like the whole point is like, we want free trade. So they create the empire because, and then the empire, you know, you're playing around with, I think kind of, it's weird because you're playing with colonialism and fascism at the same time. But, um, but that's actually kind of interesting. I'll get to that later. But basically, you know, what fascism is, is basically creating a state that corporations have the supreme control. It's creating a, a, um, uh, authoritarian state for for the corporations. So the idea that you had the trade federation cause the galactic civil war to create the empire so that the trade federation can can just strip mine these planets, just basically enslave these people into basic enslavement through like, this colonial project. You know that's definitely something the show's playing with that that I think is really cool that that that's why they're introduced and we're not seeing the empire we're seeing this other thing because that's what this is the progression the progression to the war over trade to the companies winning and getting to have their say. Um, and then eventually that becomes the fascist state that just takes over the galaxy and is all encompassing. Um, and, and like I've, the fourth episode really, really, really pointed to this. And it kind of plays into this idea of like, you know, who's joining these things, what, what are they doing? To, they're, they're doing things to populations of the planets. They're like that, that one planet, like they moved in to colonize. Again, this is a very third world story. This is a very like, this is very like kind of like Argentinian or something where they're like, this is ours now we're mining it. And the only life you can ever have is by going to the city. They didn't like, it's not this idea of the empire. Oh, the empire wiped every person out. It's like, no, the empire just created a life that they can't live their, their whole life anymore. They have to live right. in slums, you know, the slumification of, of the empire basically. Um, and then the other thing I want to say to you, what you're saying about that language is like, that's so true. And the other thing I think is interesting is that that's what, if you've ever seen the death of Stalin, that's what they did is they captured oh, yes. all these actors mm -hmm. and had them, they said, okay, Stalin was from like a poor kid from Georgia. So he had like the Cockney accent, like they played around with each person's right. Russian heritage to connect it to whatever British heritage equivalent it would be to create the characters. And yeah, they're definitely doing that with this show too. The Death of Stalin is, is a fucking amazing movie that doesn't get the credit that it should. Still good. <laughs> Put it on your movie list, everyone. Um, there's something about this show that I, I, I got really interested in when I think it was in the second or third episode when they actually show you the mind, like, uh, or actually might have yeah. even been the first episode when they actually show you the mind planet. Um, and I've been thinking about like how uh, uh, we think we like to think that our, our, uh, our willingness to help somebody else is like based on like some kind of moral trigger. Like we have a certain morals of certain certain level and we're going to help people uh, but really i think it's like a function of distance and uh like how far you are away from somebody who's in help uh who's in need will determine how like how how is how likely it is you're going to actually help them like and i think it plays out every every day like you know uh, uh we know that there are people outside of a certain radius of us who are like in dire need of help and most people don't actually go to go to help them and this is true more and more and like thinking about that on a galactic level where like they really don't care like you're really less likely to help somebody because uh, uh the people who need help are spread so much and i think that was like well kind of laid out in this in, in, a, in some way in the in the senator scene when she uh, as she comes home uh i forgot what her name is um mon mothma what was her name yeah uh, uh, mon mothma uh, yeah Oh, it was my month. Oh, okay. Sorry. It's long. It's been so long since I've said her name out loud. Um, but like, uh, the idea 
uh, that we're getting to see the people who are going to fight. A, like we're seeing the collection of the people who are will are ready to fight against that distance. Like they're ready to fight for uh, uh, for this like conglomerate of people who are being oppressed. This large machine that is like constantly spreading out that they're uh, they're pulling together is just so exciting that they're like they they decided to like really tie into. Uh, uh, of the things that are happening currently and the history of things that have happened and like really leverage this. It's like, it's actually, I feel like this is the first time that star Wars is getting into sci-fi. Does that mean, is that, is that like, I can see that. Yeah. To like, just it's like that they're actually like, no, this is a sci-fi. This is, this is sci-fi. Like they're, this is more than just uh, a fantasy. This is more than just a space fantasy. There's no more like space wizards. And this is, this is sci-fi. All right. That's my go. (laughs) <laughs> That's interesting. That's an interesting point. Um, can we talk about the music for a sec? Absolutely not. <laughs> no, it's beautiful. It's 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 fantastic. Was it in the second episode? I think the end of the second episode where he goes into like a full on like guitar and drums. Like I was just like, wow, like this is so unlike Star Wars that we have gotten before. And it's interesting because this is a show that feels no constraints, like feels no no obligation to adhere to any of the traditional Star Wars conventions and is all like, okay, what can we utilize here to tell a story as effectively as we can, right? And it's sort of like the Star Wars universe is just sort of, I don't want to say window dressing because it is very much about the specifics of this universe, but it's just kind of fleshing it out and rendering it in a very like realistic human way. It's giving the Star Wars universe a kind of serious treatment that I don't think it's ever really gotten before. Yeah, it feels like a very like lived in world. Like when he's like walking down the street, you're like, oh, those people are going to work behind him. You know, it's like, it's just like, we never see that. We never see like, like robots, like, uh, you know, like droids charging, like at home and people just like what their daily lives are like. And that's like, that's awesome. Cause it always just seemed like star Wars, even if it tried to get like on the more gritty side, like Mando or something like that, like it always was just very clean and shiny and everything just felt not like a set in the sense of like a movie sense, but like, it felt like just like, like like set pieces like all right this is the the what we're doing inside of this cantina let's make it look star warsy and and weird but like so the fact that he goes to like a bar and it's like no one's really there and the lighting's just like we're, it's just like a very like real world with real people living in it like it almost yeah. feels vaguely documentary but obviously not but it's just like that's the kind of like realism that they're they're getting just like no everybody you're not weird aliens in a bar you're literally you know you may look like an alien but you're going to work so you're just like walk past him in a hurry because you're late for work like it just feels very lived in is the only way i could like say it 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 feels like the show is rebelling it feels (laughs) like the show is rebelling against the what the star wars empire has become and it feels like it's rebelling to some extent about like like how uh, uh we were supposed to see star wars and like like uh, it's it's been like uh no uh, uh we're gonna tell you uh what what's really going on in this situation like 
what an empire really looks like, like how this really affects people's lives and the hard choices that people really have to make. I, I, uh, uh, I think it, yeah, it feels, feels great to watch. <laughs> no, and I mean, like one of my favorite scenes from, I think the second episode, it's all sort of a blur, but um, when Luthen, he's on uh, the shuttle ride into town, like the scene on the shuttle bus and like he's talking with that merchant or whatever he is. And just like, that's a conversation that I feel like, I mean, not only would you not get in another Star Wars movie, but it's just like really painting a picture about what life under fascism is really like. And it's sort of like, it's all about, it's all about inconvenience for a while. You know, it's all about the adjusting to the new reality and like, you know, how you kind of tolerate it, but like, oh, like, you know, things used to be so much easier in the good old days. And it's just kind of like, there was something about that conversation that just felt real and very on the ground and really demonstrates the banality of a lot of what life under a fascist state or like a corporate fascist state like sort of is like that kind of detail so it's like a character moment but it kind of expands the world it's funny like you're saying like the music so like speaking of like music and almost of this way of like related to music is like the um the writing is very different than star wars in that it's good you know? <laughs> the dialogue, there are so many like just little human moments, human interactions, the minutia of what they're talking about, the way that they say things, the kinds of things that they talk about. Yeah, but also like the, the, the monologues or the stuff, like the, the, the speeches, the way they are able to like, like do these, and like to a point it's almost unrealistic, like the, the, the supervisors like talking down to the basically the D.H. Kyle MacLachlan character, um, the... Uh, hmm the is like that... just this way of like saying like this is like why we aren't going to go do this like it's beautiful po poetic language you know like in that so you get you get both like yeah what you're saying josh where these like the little things just the little day-to-day -day talks and then every once in a while when they have like these like it was both that one and then i'm thinking of also the the supervisor of the security bureau his like speech too yeah it's mm -hmm. just like like and, the, to that, and that's Tony gilroy that that's like straight up michael clayton you know, like, right. Well, so, so, but that's also really interesting. Like the, the, uh, that scene that you're talking about, like the, the bureaucracy of it, the, mm -hmm. like, the, the, like the making the trains run on time aspect of it, the knowing your, your station, like we have procedures and, and protocols and like, we are a cog in this machine and you are a cog in this machine like the language and like the grandiosity and the poetry of what the supervisor says in that scene, it kind of evokes that like it's very Baroque, but sort of in like a very, you know, functional way. Like he's using a lot of words like to say nothing really. <laughs> like it's yeah. really what it is. And what's so interesting too, is the fact that that is in the same show that also has the kinds of conversations about human minutia that I was talking about. It's like, it's like, this is a show that is using language to tell its story, right? So, so it is using language in a way Star Wars never really has before. Yeah, there's like some stuff in the dialogue that was like really hitting me in which I'm, I like take for granted that because from the other movies and shows, people just go like, all right, I'm leaving the planet. I'm going to go travel through space to somewhere else. And then there was some stuff that was being said um, where it just like hit me. I was like, oh, that's like not everyone's reality. There's like 
probably right. people just how there's people that have never left the country. Like they probably never like left and saw space. They're just like living like I don't it was like like that aspect. And then when um Sarsgaard, he's like showing off like the ancient artifacts and like we actually are seeing like clubs and stuff that you don't actually think about because Star Wars has always just been lasers and light swords and spaceships and you're like, oh fuck. All right. And they like they did have an advancement of technology just like uh, every other civilization, but you never really had to think about that stuff. And so I was just thinking like putting it very much in our reality. And so I was like, oh there's probably people that have never left the planet. There's you know they just only know yeah. their hometown or or something like that. It's like it's like I never had those types of thoughts with any other Star Wars before because it just seemed like kind of like oh going to the store and they go into outer space and go to another planet and they buy a TV at Space Best Buy and come back. Like, but it's like no, that's not the reality, especially in this show. It's it's really cool. The other shows, like as much as I enjoyed them, like kind of made the Star Wars galaxy feel smaller. Yes. Like everything yep. was sort of happening in and around Tatooine and like, oh, like I recognize that guy from, you know, sort of stuff. This is the first kind of filmic Star Wars, and I'm including the prequels. It's the original trilogy that like really makes the galaxy feel huge in a way that I don't think it's really felt for decades. For me, like not since like the 90s, the expanded universe and like the role playing games and stuff like where he would have all of these different writers imagining like their own little corner of the Star Wars universe that sort of made you feel like, oh, like like anything can happen in this larger galaxy. It's a much larger galaxy. And I think this is the first show that makes me feel that way. Totally. Maybe we can tie, like I'll tie this into maybe another topic. Like, or actually to, similar to what you're saying, like, you know, like how the other shows made the universe feel smaller. And like a big thing is the other shows were all about that fan service of like, here comes Luke, here comes this, per here comes this person from the Clone Wars. You know, so it's like small universe in one way. Like, it's like the idea that you have to do this fan service, which A, just feels forced anyway. To me, again, like the idea that the show's not growing up with me, that's not what I'm in it for. Um, but I was just going to say, so they, they're not doing this show and it's awesome. And I'd say like, and like, again, that's the type of Star Wars fan who's grown up to be like, to me, I'd be more, more than any character coming in the show as like an appearance I'd be excited about is the fact that this is a Tony Gilroy show. So at some point, if someone asks a character, say, you think you got the Tauntauns for it? Do you? That's what I'm waiting for. Waiting <laughs> <laughs> for that, like Michael Clayton shout out or something. Oh. This, this show is like fuck your cameos. Yeah, no, um. totally, and it's so much better for it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> for sure. I'm really excited for seeing more of the Senate stuff mm -hmm. because I think something that was really made clear with the pacing of the story. So what, I think this first season is like 12 episodes or something like that. I really think it's going to be like four sort of three episode mini movies, if that sort of mm -hmm. makes any sense. Mm -hmm. You know, it was very interesting. Like, um, base Richard Spencer, I think his name is uh, Kern, Karn, Cyril Karn. And apologies to the actor, but he really just has like a perfectly punchable little face, I felt like. It's very um, punchable. He really... Yeah. It's, that's a great way to describe it, yeah. I just like just looking at his face, I was like, I hate this guy. <laughs> so like those first three episodes, like you're really sort of following Cyril Karn and Cassie and Andor, and they're sort of like charting the two of them, watching their rise on opposite sides. Like I think it's clear that obviously Cyril, after he has his ass handed to him at the end of 
the third episode, I think it's clear he's going to rise in the ranks of the Empire, maybe even the ISB, and he is going to be after Cassian. Like, it's like uh, uh, Javert and... Um, uh, uh, Jean Valjean, yeah. Jean Valjean, yeah. Yeah, and Inspector Javert and Jean Valjean sort of relationship where, like, I don't think that Cyril is ever really going to let this go because now it's 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 really personal and for he'll him. continue to do more damage like just to get this yeah. guy and then the damage he's going to do is going to be far worse than <laughs> a lot of the other fallout yeah so but it was interesting because i felt like the first three episodes had his story sort of front and center and then in the fourth episode he sort of receded more into the background like we saw him he got he got chewed out and then like he goes home to coruscant i think right no, was that someplace else? What? What? Yeah, yeah, it was no. weird. It was almost like down in the depths of it, like almost like he lost yeah, his right, his like, uh, yeah, his standing, and so he just had to go. Or like, that's no, I think that's, that's where where, from. where his family is from. I think that's just where, right, like the class level that he was able to get a job in the empire. That's where, that's where his fa- like. I think it was very interesting because I think the choice of his mother was suggesting that there's something like, like he was kind of hiding ethnicity to some extent. You know, like, and like showing that, like, he wants to, he's like overbuilding himself to really show like he's of a higher, uh, a higher standing. Within yeah, the that's end. why I'm like, that's why I think it was like very like intentional to, to show literally like how far he has to go down yeah, yeah. In, his, in the elevator. Like, totally. You know, yeah, totally. yeah. Something that was so kind of potent and amazing about like even his little amount of screen time in that episode was when he gets home, the door opens, his mom slaps him in the face and you don't know why. But like it's it's like that that kind of storytelling where it's all subtext. Like we don't know. We don't know anything. It's like beneath the surface yet. Like we know so much about what that implies about who he is what his upbringing is and like where he's going to go like a moment like that there's nothing else like it anywhere in star wars yeah that that was great there's also like a there was a moment with the robot that i really loved like when he first gets back in the first episode and he's talking to the robot and and he's like i'm gonna need you uh 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 do you have like enough power to lie for me and it's like i've 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 charged like, you know, like I, like I'm, I'm at a standard, le- like I'm a, at a, a, I'm at a, a level that I can lie for you. And then, and then it like comes out that there's actually two, two lies. And then he's like, I will go home and charge. Like, <laughs> like, 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 like the actual, like there is a power level to lying that like you, it takes computational power for it to pull it off. I think that's yeah, brilliant. That's cool, like yeah. that's just such a, amazing scene it was so subtle no i mean not only that like i agree with everything that you're saying and like yeah like that is amazing and like you know the idea that for a machine oh you know and not even for a machine for like a human as well it like does take a little more effort to (laughs) deviate from the truth because like you're not just recounting something you're like fabricating something but they didn't just leave it at that like they established that and then in the third episode that actually became a source of tension when they raided cassian's home and his mother was there and the droid he didn't have enough power to lie it's so good i like the, even like the little nuanced of like that like you can't just go out and get a new droid like it's so beat up compared to like the flashbacks because like no they're like you don't have the money to just go like buy new shit like it's, it's like it's like 
you know, having a car that you're like keeping on its last legs. And so it's like, you know, I feel like it gets stuck. It gets all this stuff. Like, um, it's really like aged and they're like holding on to it. I thought that was like a real cool, like, um, aspect to that, like lived in world too, with the, the droid. I like that guy. What's the droid's name? They like just R2 call him B. D2. It's like B2 something, but I think they just always call him B. B2 EMO. But what do they call him in the show? I think just B. They always just say, hey, B. B2 EMO. I love, I love that. <laughs> I'm, I'm just reading an article about about the name. I like that. Great voice work for that droid, too. Mm-hmm. Kind of yeah. reminds me of the interstellar droid, the very dryness. Oh, yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, like, there are so many good things that that I could talk about. Like, I love Luthen. I think Stellan Skarsgård is killing it. Yeah, he's great. When he puts on that, like, the fake persona, the but disguise. that's what everyone it's thinks amazing. is the real persona. It's great. Yeah. Like, when he's, like, pr- not, like, practicing in the mirror, but almost doing that kind of, like, it's showtime, like, thing to himself after he gets, like, changed. Like, oh, like, and then you really get the feeling of, like, he hates this existence that he has to put on. Like, it's, um, it's yeah, really the facade. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, no, that that moment in the mirror is great because he like he's like, yeah, he's he's like, all right, wait, let me like like let, let me shake into it. Like I got yeah, <laughs> I gotta get into the it, it's gotta I gotta fit into these these little bits to it's, sell it again. It's great too, because he gets still in Skarsgard, like he's just such a great actor who can do that stuff, who can do that character, but no one ever hires him anymore to do to do different <laughs> things. You always hire him to be town Skarsgard. And this yeah, is yeah, yeah. you can eat it too. We're like, yeah, he gets he gets to be you know the gruff guy but we can also let him like do his range that he yeah, doesn't have, have, to have some fun do anymore it, yeah. and my no yeah so my dude from uh the beast was one of the rebels i was so excited to see him <laughs> the the guy with the stunning blue eyes uh the bear i'm not the beast I'd... the bear sorry oh yeah right yeah the bear but yeah one thing that i am really excited to see i'm really excited to see more of the the political stuff going on with Mon Mothma and the Senate. This idea that, you know, she's a politician, obviously she was in episode three in a cut scene. So, but the idea is that like she and Bail Organa, they are still sitting senators in this supposed, you know, representative democracy. And it's like, what does she do? What can she do to take advantage of her status and her position within that institution? And I think, you know, She's obviously working behind the scenes, as we know, we see in the fourth episode, she has been making things happen for the beginnings of the Rebel Alliance through through Luthen and stuff. But I think like we're still at a place with her before she's really realized what the the full commitment like what it actually means because like it's so it's so interesting because like i was watching her she's in like that fancy car on coruscant like you know with a driver and she's like you know stopping at this antique shop or like a gallery or whatever you know and like she goes home and she has like her her asshole husband you know throwing a a dinner party and he's fighting over some other senators who yeah yeah, right. The fun people like and you get she's in like an unhappy or an, an unsustainable marriage. And like we know in however many years from now, like in eight years, like she's on the rebel cruiser giving <laughs> the briefing about how they're going to destroy the second Death Star and Return of the Jedi. And it's just kind of like the idea that she goes from here to there is like, I don't know, like it's just awesome. thinking about that, like it's really. Cool, yeah. 
yeah, like it just really gets me excited. And like there was something about that interaction with her and her husband that felt so painfully real, like in a way that I think, you know, a lot of us experience in this country where we have friends and family who are maybe, you know, they don't share our political beliefs. And it's sort of like, at what point do you stop hanging around them? Like, I really hope that this season ends I was like Mon Mothma divorcing that like <laughs> long haired man bund. Uh, you want, like, <laughs> you want to hang out with the, the MAGA people? You do it on your own time, not my time. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like, I mean, it is really interesting. Like, the institutional power that Mon Mothma wields is still valuable for the nascent rebels at this point, right? So something that happens off screen in the original Star Wars, there's that scene on the Death Star where Tarkin walks in and he's like, the Emperor just dissolved the Senate, right? <laughs> and it's like, that's a huge fucking deal. So my question is, so and it also seems like he didn't feel like he, he could completely throw away even the superficial trappings of a democracy until he had the Death Star. Right. Because otherwise, like, why maintain the illusion of the Senate for so long? So what I'm really interested in is, like, does Mon Mothma go full rebel then when the Senate is dissolved? Or does she make that choice while there still is something for her to lose? The, um, well, what I think is interesting, if you read about the, the, uh, what they're going to do with the show timeline wise, from my understanding, with the two seasons of 12 episodes each, is it's going to go, it's going to span five years and literally from what I've heard end right where Rogue One picks up, right? Um, mm. Which is right. immediately right before Star Wars. So we're, I mean, we're talking about this show's going oh, to end right. days yeah. before Palpatine dissolves the Senate. So that's what uh, we're going to cool, see. Cool, we're going to cool, see yeah. Palpatine. Yeah. Um, so she does go full rebel before the Senate's dissolved because we know that from Rogue One. What I find interesting with the... Um, with what Mon Mothma is specifically doing for the rebels in the Senate. And then maybe this idea of too, maybe it's like going to be this mirror image with um, Scarif and the Death Star is she, her goal is to funnel money. It's like, again, like the amazing realism of the show is that like, you know, whatever a rebellion needs more than anything, it needs supplies. It needs money. You know, that, that was a major right. theme. And when the wind set shakes the barley is we got, we have to ally ourselves with the, with the small business owner to get money for a rebellion. Like that's what my mom is. She's the money funneler. At the same time, it seems like what Poppy Palpatine's doing is, is also funneling money to the Death Star. So you have these two <laughs> things. And I, and I, and I get the sense of what, again, if you talk about like what, you know, playing around with this idea of raise and fashion or whatever right now, what the Senate is and why the Senate exists is that, you know, Palpatine, people like him get the power based on the petite, you know, not even the, on the bourgeoisie, on the actual rich people. So I think at a certain point he has to keep them happy and and feeling right. like they're somehow responsible and that's what the senate you know i'm sure there's no people representing the working class people in the senate it is all just hmm. her husband I, I think i don't think they really say in the fourth episode but i read that he's supposed to be a senator too and like clearly oh, the idea is like the senate's just a playground yeah it's just a playground for for the rich and famous almost mm -hmm. type of thing and then once palpatine is able that's what he needs the rich people for for his money for his death star okay i got the death star i don't need the money now I don't actually have to mess with you rich people that actually have this ultimate power anymore. I can't wait to see their, the show that focuses on the, all the political inside stuff. Uh, uh, they're going to call it uh, Wex Wing. <laughs> I'm not even sure right. I get it. Go ahead. What is, uh, uh, what is uh, West, West Wing and X Wing together? 
a uh, uh, waxwing. Oh. They're going to call it waxwing. We're going to get a walk and talk with my mothman at some point, right? Uh, did I make it even worse by making you explain? Yeah, no, it's, it's, it, was, it, was dead, it was dead on arrival. It's all right. <laughs> so you know what's crazy? The creator of House of Cards wrote at least a couple episodes of this show. So we are getting that. So we know from the trailers that Saw Guerra, he is going to be in this show. I don't know to what extent, but one of the things that I'm really interested to see how this show handles is that schism within the rebels over their tactics. And I wonder where Luthen is going to fall on that line, because like, you know, um, right now he seems more like he'd be in like the Saw Guerra sort of like, you know, this is a war. We have to treat it like a war mindset, though. It is interesting because he does. He is between these these two worlds. Like he literally has two identities. So it'll be interesting. It sort of seems like almost he's the go between between the saws of this galaxy and the Mon Mothma's of this galaxy like he needs to satisfy the needs of those who are you know working within the quote-unquote legitimate institutions and also he clearly knows literally the situation on the ground and he's sort of like the go-between so so i just i just really wonder where saw factors in and i just really want to see a scene between saw guerra and luthan i think that that'll kind of bring the house down yeah that'd be exciting up until those these last four episodes i had no desire to see anything anything about the political world of star wars like i could not have cared less in fact i would have run away pretty fast actually this might be not entirely true i did like in uh obi-wan um i uh, getting to see a little bit of uh of, of princess leia's um uh, a world uh but like I just wasn't as interesting, but us talking about like how this, like what are the political ramifications? How will these things play out uh, uh, through the lens of this show? I'm just excited because I, I'm, I, I actually care where I didn't before. I just don't know if you guys saw like a, back when the show was announced, I posted the, the scene, the best, the best scene from the wind that shakes the barley um, where it was a movie filled with like intense action of ambush scenes. The best scene is, Basically, the small, the, the, like the local business owner who is supportive of the cause, who so has been funding and giving money to the rep to the rebels, um, was um, decided to like stiff a local widow out on some money, and he's also a landlord, and like threw her out because she didn't have rent, and like the rebellion, like the half of the the you know Irish rebellion that is um, socialist, was like um, like arrested him and threw him in jail, and then the other half that's kind of like the realist half that just wants to win, let him go. And it's just hmm. this intense scene of these two sides just arguing and, and, you know, the way it's shot and that the sound overlap and everything makes it part of the reason it's great. But also like this, this theme of like, we need his money to win. And the other half being like, he's doing the thing we're fighting against, you know, like, and we have to be like purist in this sense. And that's like, again, be interesting to see if this is where we're going with, like, as Josh is saying, like this Sauger uh, Luthan, like if that's where we're going to head, where we're going to be like, you know, saw your tactics are upsetting Mon Mothma, who's given us our money, you know, type of thing. And mm. saw being, well, that's not, who cares, <laughs> you know? So, yeah, it's very interesting to see if they really play with these, like, deeper, like, complicated themes, yeah. No, I mean, I think you're exactly right. Like, I think that that's exactly the conflict in the scene that um, we are probably going to get between those two characters. And, like, I don't know, man. Like, I'm just really, really excited to see how the show 
handles that. Like one thing that I do want to say before we kind of wind down here is, you know, we keep talking about the nuance and the slow burn and the subtlety, but this show also does action really, really well. Like that third episode, that whole end sequence, like that crescendo of the bungled arrest and like they surround the warehouse and stuff. That shootout in the warehouse was so was so cool because they did this very unique thing where like, I mean, again, like I don't know exactly what the warehouse was for, like what it was, like what all the machinery was. But there are these like heavy chain things like hanging from the ceiling. And then one of the chains snapped like like it created this threat for this set piece that I'd never really seen, like this huge like network of like really heavy things that were held up by chains in this warehouse were like randomly snapping and falling down everywhere. And it was like really, really tense. And I was like, that is really fucking cool. Like, I don't know what it is exactly, but I understand it enough to see what's going on. And it's like, it's just like a kind of a threat that I thought was like really visually interesting and unique and something I'd never seen before. And it like created like a kind of tension in like a shootout that i never really seen before i don't know if i, th- well, I uh, you think know like that's an allusion to another film or a thing that i'm i'm just missing i it was like cool because it's like one of the few times that i could think of where we don't see like the the heroes like fully in control of everything you know like they really were flying by the seat of their pants you know he like set off a charge to protect himself which then had a chain reaction and it was just like seeing them have to like think on their feet to try to figure this out and sneak around. It had like a little bit of like a three tenth to Yuma vibe, except for like the whole town wasn't against them, but they're like having to sneak through everything and like come out the other side. Yeah. Like, it was like definitely exciting. And I think it was like, it was interesting because I never, you never get the feeling in other star Wars movie too much. Like at least I don't that, of the danger of a situation like you know i i have the story when we talk about empire strikes back like even when luke like tries to kill himself it didn't to me it never like registered like a danger aspect because it's like i maybe i was too young when i first saw it and now it's just i've seen it a million times but this is like oh no they're like flying by the sea of their pants they're trying to make this up they're trying to find exits or make exits it's like it had kind of like a western feel like um to me at least i thought it was like really cool but it was just more of them almost like the the vibe of them trying not to panic (laughs) while panicking to get out of there and find a way out i thought that was like really cool I was just thinking about uh, uh, the danger, uh, kind of what uh, Murray was saying, what uh, you had said, Josh, just uh, of the of the danger uh, that they're really leaning into here and just like starting to build the tension and like air it like uh, they're using the set uh, uh, sets set designed uh, to build the tension. Uh, They're using the circumstance. Uh, 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 they're building the tension in so many beautiful ways in so many areas. Like uh, uh, when you're in, uh, when you're actually on like an empire ship and uh, it was like the last episode, I can't even remember at this point, but uh, uh, there was like a lady officer uh, trying to be like gain access to the information. And you're basically just like watching the sexism within the, within the empire play out. And it's just like, one of the things that ultimately you can be like, this is part of the reason why your ass is going down because you can't hold your shit together because you, you can't like you can't appreciate the people who are trying to do uh, what they're trying to do in the end. Though, you know, granted that she was possibly uh, and probably a rebel, but still like uh, uh, the idea that these tensions are growing in all these different ways and uh, they're showing in different ways 
where this tension is and how it's leading to this larger story. I'm really loving it. There was something in that third episode as well. So speaking of really great ways of raising the tension, the tactic of the banging. Yeah, that was really cool. So when I thought it was so kind of illuminating how when Sarn or Cyril, Space Richard Spencer, he, he is like, you know, what are they doing? And the other guy's like, this is intimidation. Like they're trying to intimidate us. But what I thought it was, was like, no, it's like, there sound the alarm yeah the whole town is like hey everyone heads up like the cops are here so do yeah. whatever you got to do but i just thought like the way that they read what they were doing they interpreted it through the most we're the big dog like and so they're just trying to scare us like they weren't seeing any practicality in it yeah exactly hey, like hey. they saw the most like hostile interpretation of what they were doing when what they were actually doing was trying to warn each other for survival reasons or for like you know like just to like protect themselves i mean at least that's how i read it i don't think so that's not how i, I read it at all i read it like a warning system and no. to me that like amplified no, it's, it's rebellion it, that's what they're doing. They, they can't shoot them. They can't attack them. But this one thing they have, this is the one thing they have. Ring the bells. Let them know this is our place. You can come here and stop around. But this is us. This is ours. Oh, no. Okay. And, and, and I, I took think it, it the again, same it way. The theme of like this, the rebellion starting, the empire scene, this rebellion starting. And this is, this is one of those. You're, we're seeing one of those like in whatever way possible we have. This is our thing. We're going to, we're going to bang on the pans and, you know, let them know this is our town. Interesting. I uh, I took it the same way that Josh did. And to me, it amplified the betrayal um, because it showed the whole town was in it together. And then this one guy, you know, because he was jealous, like sold out somebody when he's like the whole town seems to rally together. So that's in, that's a very cool like take. Mickey, I like that. Well, Mickey, along those lines, like I was curious, you know, if that tactic was an allusion to anything specific, like either in the real world or, you know, in, in some other media. Oh, yeah. I, I, I say that's like straight out of Dublin in the 70s and 80s. Yeah, I'll, I definitely want to research that because that's very interesting. Like, because I didn't see I didn't even think of that, Mickey, to be honest with you. I thought like I didn't see the the like the cop people like actually oh, but Vicky, uh, did you answer my question or exposition and explaining to us what was actually happening i took it as josh did like the same like that the almost like their hubris of <laughs> of uh thinking that like oh no what they're just trying to intimidate us like like missing the true point of it because they're so like full of themselves so that's yeah. that's cool yeah i know intimidation passive you know just it's not mm -hmm. it's almost to a point of just like, fuck you. Here we are. Bring yeah. It. Yeah. You know, you can't. This isn't illegal. This isn't illegal. You know? Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. Again, to me, that's just straight out of like, you know, did I say Dublin? I didn't mean Dublin, but straight out of Belfast and uh, Belfast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And like the 70s and 80s, you know, type of thing, you know, or like, or like, you know, just like throwing fireworks on the street in front of cops or something like that. Like, Oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't know that these were like actual like tactics or anything like that. That's interesting. Yeah, but I, I feel like I've seen. Uh, I'm I'm I feel like I'm kind of in between uh, 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 both interpretations on this one. Like that, I, I feel like. I feel like it, it is their way of fighting back, and and like it is their way of being like this is what we got. But also that wasn't started. It feels like something that they've been doing for a little while. And those guys who came down, 
those police, they were green. Like they hadn't been oh, yeah. part of this town. They don't know what these, these things mean. So it was like, it was misinterpreted, but ultimately that, that was being used, that form of, was being used for a form of communication, but that form of communication wasn't necessarily directly towards the police, even though it might have been initially used for that. It feels like people are here. Y'all know that none of us here are doing everything legit. So <laughs> like everybody like, yo, the cops are coming. Like, and, and they took it not as like, they're warning everybody, but they took it as like, uh, as like, oh, they're trying to tell us to get out of here. Like they're trying to, they're, like, they're trying to scare us, but they they're trying to scare, scare us. us. Yeah. 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 I think there, uh, there is a sense too, where if you think like that is what they're, they're, they're saying, like, do you hear how many rings there are? Like there's, there's, you know, 12 of you. Right. And there's hundreds mm. of us ringing. So, okay, so yeah, if, yeah. if things go bad, just, just know that, you know? Like, yeah. 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 And and that is exactly what happened. <laughs> yeah, they get pounced on, even though it was the town. Like the town didn't do that. Like it wasn't the the town that set up the uh, uh the actual rebellion. But it is. I I think Mickey, you're you're spot on. And that's like this is the sound of rebellion here, and this is what our protagonist was born out of. This town, oh, yeah, in rebellion, mm. in rebellion. Like and and he, like yeah. He internalized a lot of, of the of the street blood of like yeah what what it is to be in that area and what it is to rebel and what it is to live on the fringes and what it is to fight for your rights in in an oppressed um, yeah because like when we first kind of meet him he's he's neither here nor there right like he's not fully in or fully out of the rebellion he's just caring about himself and making his way through it and so that involves kind of rebellious ex like like esque tactics like stealing that that drive and everything like that but it was always to a means to an end it wasn't for the sake of rebellion at least that's the way i took it and so like now he's kind of getting deeper into it where he was just kind of like obviously rebelling but not in like an official capacity you know like more just like self-preservation and now he's kind of getting like brought up to like the major leagues of the rebellion also i almost feel like too what they're saying is the re there isn't a rebellion like there's actually not a rebellion he could be a rebel in at this point we yes. are literally okay. that's just his way of life it, you know form and he's just right. part of that you know formation you know obviously there's a people maybe three steps ahead of him as we see mm. you know you got luther in like three steps ahead and you got those people on the other planet two steps ahead and he's just yeah you know he's just third gen but it's there you know and that's yeah and again, like, I think what I'm saying, too, is like, it'll be an interesting theme that looks like maybe the show plays into is like a rebellion is going to originally, at least originally recruit criminal-esque type of people on these edge and margins who, have, you know, like, that's just, that's just where it's going to form from. Except also, I guess we're seeing it form from on Mothma, too. And I guess that that'll be the interesting right, relationship maybe in this show is the, the Mothma end of both of where her roots come from and then probably where her, her tactics, you know, come from as they opposed to um, the roots that saw and um, Cassian come from and how that's going to impact their tactics. Mm -hmm. And maybe that will be, you know, something they explore. I'm so excited that this is a longer show. This yeah, is a longer. Cool, yeah. yeah I'm, well, I'm glad I thought it was 12. Roles. I was like, if this is 10, like, yeah. yeah. Or eight, you know, like they've been doing some yeah. short runs of shit. Yeah. 
Yeah, but the, oh, just the opener, like how much time they spend on the open is so good. It's so <laughs> good. It's so good. Like every everything, everything about this show starting out is like, it's like not, it, it's telling you on its face, like, hey, we're going to take time on this. Uh, a lot of this is going to be in the subtext. A lot of this is going to be a slow roll. It may not be your bag. It's all right if it's not your bag. Before for, for those of you who who've been dreaming for this day for a while, like uh, you got you, you got a huge treat ahead of you. It's great. Yeah, let's move on to final closing thoughts and what we hope for the season. Maybe. I mean, uh, the same way I began. I just I I really really appreciate the time and consideration that they're applying to telling a story like this. Um, and just the angle, like, like I said before, to me, it feels like this is the first time, uh, Star Wars is really attempting to be sci sci-fi, um, which was really awesome, an awesome feeling. So I'm really looking forward to seeing even more how, uh, these rebels are, are coming together, how, how different places of this galaxy are being affected by this, how they choose to uh, portray this, uh, uh, not just the. The oppression, but uh, uh, just the exploitation on a on a on a galactic level, um, in a way that we can see like just the effects and like the uh, the realities kind of laid bare. So uh, so you know we can we can have the continue to have this conversation because uh, uh, through a medium like this and with an IP like this, uh, uh, them going so hard into what they're going into into the subject material and like making it so it's hard for people to kind of hide in in some of these uh these areas where they feel like they could be justified uh holding the beliefs that they hold uh and still like the uh, the property and say they still like star wars it's like it's going to be really difficult for you to find solace if uh uh if you haven't ever challenged your uh your world views and uh, you're going to be hit with something like this in in the star wars universe like it's it's going to be part of the lore and the part of the way that people even approach the IP, which I think this is like what I feel like to some extent, Ryan Johnson was uh, 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 trying to do uh, 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 to like, just bring us to this level of like, what are we utilizing this medium for? Uh, what are we utilizing this, uh, 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 this IP for? Um, if, if it is, if it's not to just like really, a uh, 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 really just kind of critically view some of these questions that uh, can only be answered in a way that we just explore the conditions. Great. I'm excited. And rent. Well said. Well said. Murray. I'm really excited for it. I, I wasn't um, until I started watching it. And then I realized that this is like a type of star Wars I care about. Um, and that could just be from burnout of um, Tatooine and the Skywalker saga and how you have like th these an infinite like amount of galaxies and you only hear about like the same four people on the same two planets like that like drives me crazy so this is like really exciting um I'm really like fascinated um about like life in occupied lands and you know um that helps me understand like this is going to sound so cheesy and forced but it's like so sincere like it helps me understand like my biblical studies to get more and more knowledge of what life is like for people in occupied lands and the rise of rebellions and leaders that form and people that are like the misconceptions of certain leaders like it's just like it's really cool and then how uh both sides of the situation 
thinks the other side is the bad guy. Like, it's just like um, very interesting stuff. So I'm excited to see that level of complexity in Star Wars. And like Bracey says, it makes it feel like real actual science fiction rather than like a space opera, you know, with um, a Bigfoot and laser swords. So it's like, so that's really exciting to me, the act. But and then just like the fact that it's like a lot of locations, it seems like, and not really that much um like sets or green screen or anything like that really adds to it there's nothing that's better than like real light hitting real objects like that's like um really cool and then just like seeing like this rebellion that we've known for since before all of us were born uh in the star wars universe to see it actually like start to like come to fruition is like really gnarly to see and like the the different like um levels of i don't even know how to explain it it's not like it's not black white or gray it's not good guy bad guy but just like yeah i guess like what bracy and mickey and everyone was saying like the nuance and the subtext like where it's there's not a clean cut path and then like mickey was alluding to maybe we're gonna see faction not like factions but like fractions in the rebellion where it's you're gonna have people going for the same cause fighting about how to get there. And I think it could just be really, really cool. Like, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm excited for it. I'm excited that it's going to be a show to watch for more than like four or five episodes, like some of the other one, um, shows that they did. So I'm really excited. It feels like a nice break from star Wars while still exploring all the possibilities of star Wars. And so I'm excited. I think it will be really good. No, totally. I thought some of what you said was really interesting and beautiful, actually, particularly how it's informing your understanding of some of your biblical studies and also like really like getting into the psychology of people who believe things, who engage with with other groups of people who believe diametrically opposed things and how they they interact and what conditions in the world are such that allows those things to get that way. Mickey, closing thoughts and hopes for the show. Yeah, my own one thought just based on doing this episode and what we got to and what we didn't get to is this show is so good. I think we need to do a one heat minute style podcast for for uh, Andor. Um, <laughs> Where we do a we whole literally could so, just so like for anyone who so, doesn't know everything is. Yeah, <laughs> I know there's so much. So yeah, good, for anyone who doesn't know what step. Mickey's talking about. Yeah, we go minute by minute. We do a whole episode about one minute of the show. Yeah, hmm. <laughs> we could do it. This show has it. But yeah, my first thing, like, this is it. This is this is like a real Star Wars grown up with us as good TV as it gets. But then I think there's a realism that hits, too, with that, where it's well, I guess for me, it just kind of plays on like for what TV is 2022. And this is like this is good TV. I think there is to me something I'm still ranting and raving about this idea that we're the, the TV, the good TV we're getting nowadays took the wrong lessons, I actually think, from the 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 Sopranos to Mad Men era. And actually it, it can be too serious, too dour, um, doesn't pick up on the humors, doesn't pick up on the, um, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like almost um, surreality of those shows. Um, but then again, I don't know how that would play yeah. in Star Wars universe anyway. So it, maybe it is okay just having your kind of standard, like, you know, like, we, you know, we broke from the Mad Men era and, and to the American era where like, that's a good procedural show that doesn't really and, and still good with character, but this doesn't kind of play around with these kind of like to me, the the surrealism and humor that actually made the Sopranos Mad Men era good. Um, but that's a whole 
that's my issue, <laughs> I guess I'd say, for what good TV can be nowadays. This, this this shows as good as anything, whether it's in the Star Wars universe or not. And I guess you can make the argument then, like, why did you have to make it a Star Wars universe? Why can't this just be its own story? But I actually think, and I, I would have said that in the past, except for what this show can do is like, well, what Star Wars did so well when Lucas made it was the Imperial uniform, the Imperial ships, the, the iconography um, that they were able to create, like the, 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 the production, the uh production value that was perfect somehow they just tapped into a gold mine of everything looking so great to undergrid the story with in terms of its you know production um uh build that this show like why why reinvent the wheel right we can tell this story without having to like we we have these like like iconic things that actually like will put people in the psychological space to like now do this next ex extra interesting thing. And that's what I'm really excited for this going forward. Um, and I'm really excited because I actually think for the first time, this actually might be really the first, truly the real political, political, obviously the original series was playing around and pastiche and like, and there, there was something there, you know, I think Lucas was trying something with the political time frame, but this one's actually getting, I guess the, the def definition would be nerdy about it, like really into the nitty gritty of it. Um, to me, like, again, this idea of this fascism and then this idea of how it's playing into the um the material world like how the mining operations like when you read about what uh, nazi germany's plan was for what i think they called it like the lieberstein like how they were going to like terraform europe like that's what we're seeing we're, we're seeing the lieberstein play out in the star wars universe across these planets and it's it's really to me politically deep and really great and i'm super excited for this No, absolutely. Like I'm with you, Mickey. Like there's some some stuff about how the show exists in the the TV landscape that I definitely want to deal with at some point. One thing I will say though is that what's interesting about this show is that like sure, like it may be lacking that sort of like surreal quality, but what it does have is it has the Star Wars of it all. It's like it's that, but it's in the Star Wars universe, yeah. <laughs> right? So that is like sort of maybe why this kind of works, because it's not just a self-serious and depressing, dour show that takes itself so seriously. It's that, but it's also a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away with like, you know, weird creatures and robots that run out of battery when they lie and stuff. And the other thing, too, that I think is interesting is that, you know, why make this show in the Star Wars universe and why not just make it its own thing? Like you kind of started to touch on it, but because Star Wars is so iconic and so established, there's something really potent and kind of subversive by getting the keys to that car and doing this, right? Totally. Like there's there's something more powerful by having that iconography and like the mythic weight of what Star Wars is and using that to tell this story within the context of that, you know, and kind of like Bracey was saying, like, I don't know how many minds this show is going to change, but I do think having this story happen in the context of a Star Wars show will make some people more open to hearing um, certain ideas or certain lines of thought than maybe they would have otherwise. I mean, like there were people watching the show who would never watch a show like this if it wasn't Star Wars. Yeah. Um, and I think that there's something to that. My hope for the show, I think I kind of said it. I want more Mon Mothma, more Luthen, and just really more of everything they're doing. Like I'm really kind of excited. It feels good to have a show that I'm just like genuinely excited to see what it's going to be next and i don't really know or have much expectation um 
like even with Kenobi, which I loved, but like uh, the story of that show was very over-signified. Like we knew going in at least like the shape or the vague outline of what it was that we were going to see. We just didn't necessarily know the details or the particulars of it. So there was something like kind of like predetermined about that show. And like this show is working in a whole different register. Like it's doing its own thing and flying free. And there's something kind of thrilling and exciting to not really know what the show is going to do every week. And yeah, I just want to wrap it up by saying I hope that this show kind of upsets a lot of people and makes them uncomfortable in all the best ways. Um so we are not going to be reacting to every single episode of this show week to week. We are going to be releasing normal episodes every Monday instead of Wednesday. But we will return after the season one finale of Andor wraps up. We are going to do a reaction show reacting to the entire season as a whole. So look out for that, I guess, in November, if my math is correct. But um, I'm really excited that we started this ride. I'm excited about where it's going to go. And if you like what you heard... We are TrashComPod.com, where you can find transcripts of this episode and all our other episodes. And we are TrashComPod across all social media. And we will see you on the next one.